0: Welcome back to episode 32 of the Universe Extended, our discussion on all things Star Wars and not X-Wing, but Star Wars specifically. Tonight, we're going to be talking about Ahsoka episode five with spoilers. So if you're here, if you have not, JJ, put the hat back on, if you have not watched Ahsoka, please, please turn this episode off because I don't want to ruin it for you. Especially because this episode was such an amazing episode. Yeah, put it back on, JJ. Come on. Hang on. I'm adjusting the, the You're required bench. to wear that for every episode nah. <laughs> that we record <laughs> together until the Super Bowl. So nah, um, it. If, t- if you want to know the inside joke, go back to Planning Face Syndicate, our X-Wing podcast. And there is a bet JJ and I had about whether he has to wear a lion's hat or a giant's hat <laughs> or and all of that jazz. We're not gonna get into it. Joining us tonight. On this spoiler episode is Ryan Staniszewski. Joy, thank you, Ryan, for joining us to talk all things Star Wars. How are you tonight, sir? I'm good. Star Wars is great. I don't know if you know this; it's really good, especially. Now. I know this. A lot of people, somebody like Nick Sperry, didn't doesn't really like Ahsoka. I don't, I don't understand it, but he, I, I guess he didn't like it
1: until this episode. He didn't like it until this episode. I think oh. this episode kind of redeemed everything else that's going on. And again, it's just further[s] my point that you may not like an, a series in the beginning, but you have to see it in its totality with the whole story played out because it explains so much about Ahsoka's character, uh where she's been through and why she acts the way she acts. And this, this, episode did so great in doing a lot of storytelling even for you know casual star wars fans that haven't seen clone wars that haven't seen rebels this really provides a lot of context to ahsoka's character and this was absolutely my favorite episode so far of the season
0: so jj kick us off where did we love leave off last week when we had um who do we have on we had somebody else. We last had week. uh we oh, had Tim Krabok. Bailey, Crabach.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um so we ended the last week's episode uh with the with Ahsoka waking up in what we assume is the world between worlds, uh, where she wakes up and she sees her old master, uh, Mr. Anakin Skywalker, appear to her, uh, just uh, saying, you know, uh, greeting her as Snips, and uh, just seeing a DH Anakin Skywalker there, and we pick up right from that part at the beginning of this episode. Um, Just a side note, um, I've got to say that Dave Filoni has done so much justice to the character of Anakin Skywalker more than any other person in all of Star Wars because he's done a great job of really building out his character, building out the reasons why he fell to the dark side and really just... Uh, building up his character to make him a much more deep, er, a deep and complex character uh, throughout the Star Wars universe and we see that a lot in the Clone Wars and we saw even more uh, now with this particular episode of Ahsoka
0: yeah and I think so if you were not a fan of the series before to me this this episode really brings like the Andor vibe to the episode like I don't want to compare the two because there's a huge um, distinct difference to me in the telling of the story and like so this is kind of my argument to like Nick Sperry right like and 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 those of you who kind of think this series was slow going or didn't have the um this like Star Wars (laughs) Star Wars fans complain about a lot right like they they do like that's like a thing like everybody's so opinionated hence why we have um this podcast but <laughs> Essentially, my biggest thing is is like everybody complained about not having like real fan service. Like we've talked about that before, right? Like we don't have fan service, we don't have any of these other things. Like um when they give us fan service, it's always these cheeky nods, right? You know, like we look at the last Jedi, we've looked at some of the books, and some of them give us very cheeky nods. But like to me, Ahsoka is not just an Ahsoka show right? Like, I love Ahsoka. Like, she is hands down one of my favorite characters, and I will give 100% credit to my son, James. He is the one that said, uh, Dad, if you if you don't like Ahsoka, you are crazy. Um, and if you read Ahsoka's book outside of the series, she, hands down, is one of the most complex, genuine, compassionate characters um, that comes from, like, a realistic tone that we've ever seen. And To me, Ahsoka, the way Ahsoka works is they're not just going to give us this BS fan service. They're actually saying, hey, you're a true Star Wars fans. Here you go. Let's give you a continuation of a series that never should have stopped. Like, Rebels should have been a series that they continued for years and years and years, yet we get, what, four seasons of it? And now we're kind of getting somewhat of a transition, somewhat of a, a change for that. So Ryan. What do you feel about episode five and and kind of the transition, the discussion of how all of a sudden it looks like we're in a world between worlds? But spoiler alert, we don't really know if we're there. Yeah, that's actually a, a pretty large
2: discussion I had with with my wife Sarah, like after we watched her a couple of days after we watched it. Like it was presented to us. This looks like the world between worlds. It's hard for it not to be seen as that, but also was she actually pulled in the world between worlds or was this sort of trial and internal struggle all in her head? Like because she knows the world between worlds exists, like that's a feasible thing for her brain or subconscious to build up as like a setting for this to occur in her mind. But then you also think, okay, Jason heard Lightsaber noises as part of the waves crashing into the cliffside, as sort of a masking, like, effect of like the lightsabers clashing between Ahsoka and Anakin. So, is it could still go either way? Like, how could he hear it if it wasn't actually happening? But if so, he's in tune with the force, then he could still make a connection with her and still feel and hear her struggle yeah. through the force. And so for I, me- I I really like how there's no answer to this yet, and it's up to interpretation of the viewer.
1: Honestly, I think there is a, a an answer for it because if you go back to Rebels, right? There's the the two episodes where they go into the the Jedi Temple at Lothal, um, particularly the second time that they go in there with Ahsoka, uh, we see these Force visions come to life, right? And they weren't in the world between worlds. You know, we get a moment where the uh, the Inquisitors track them down and they enter the temple, and then we get a scene where the um, the Jedi Temple guards that were uh, essentially training Kanan to become a Jedi Knight to come out and attack these Inquisitors to imprison them, uh, allowing them to escape, right? Now, this is actual Force visions that actually had a real-life tangent um, to the physical realm of where they were. So they can hear them, they can interact with them, and they can be affected by them. So I think it's something similar to that, that at that particular area, it was a a force hotspot sort of um especially since the nine sisters built that area there to essentially use the their connection to the force to use the map in order to you know follow the Pergo. color area was strong in the force and thus this allowed Ahsoka to further connect into the force in her moment where she's at her at her lowest, in order to have that vision and be there. Honestly, I don't believe that she entered the world between worlds because, from what we at least seen from rebels, there has to be a portal for them to enter and to exit, and we don't see either of that when Asoka enters. In fact, when she finishes the the vision, all of a sudden the water starts rising up, and it's like her mind is returning to where she actually is physically.
0: Well, I think that's a good point because I think it, it it says is this the world between worlds or is this just like a force vision, right? Like, is she precognizant? Does she have the ability to see things that could happen that did not? Um, and I will say, like, we we go into basically essentially seeing her as a as a almost as a youngling. Like, I don't know if she's quite a youngling in this or not like she's on that verge um with Anakin and they talk about you know what's going on and her having to kill things and she really doesn't want to kill things she doesn't want to do all these things and we see her with all the clone troopers which I will say like um it's weird seeing some of this because like we've not seen live-action clone troopers before and we've never seen baby Ahsoka ever like outside of I guess Tales of the Jedi has a baby Ahsoka but I'll say to that, we've not seen Baby Ahsoka in any action based um, story we've ever been given. So, what do you guys feel about kind of the visions that we're seeing? Like, do you feel that these are fl- true flashbacks, or are these kind of like her interpreting how she felt during these beginning times?
1: Um, I think it's – I definitely feel like it's the the force bringing her into her own interior worlds in order to resolve it because – the way that they interpret the the scenes when she's a youngling and experiencing her first battle uh with Anakin around her you know you have that that whole fog that's around her right and she's only seeing what she immediately remembers which is all the blast fire in the background her focusing on Anakin as he's leading her through to the first battle um and then just the the heck of uh, the the craziness of the war that's going around her. You know, it gives her that that sense of panic and she can only imagine like what's was immediately around her there. Um and then fast forward to later on the the memory becomes a little more wider, right? Because she's more in a calmer state, right? This is post-battle. the um, I for What I think, it was the Battle of Ryloth, uh, where she sees a couple of the Twee legs in the background. You know, those are parts of her memory that remember it better because it's not as hectic, whereas that first memory is a little more closer. And then we get to, uh, when she's much older, the Siege of Mandalore, where she's starting to remember the fight she had against the... Um, the Mandalorians that were under Maul's rule, which side note, they nailed those costumes perfectly. Like I love seeing those in live action. And then of course the appearance of Rex as well. Um, So like to me, those, those little bits of information makes it feel like she's having more of an internal moment uh, in her connection to the force. And I think that's, that's what that really is.
0: Ryan, what do you feel?
2: So I, I think one of the things that this episode encapsulated that none, uh, and this was mentioned a couple times online. I, I I do agree with it. None of the cartoon episodes could really encapsulate how it really could be portrayed or feel. Is you know, Ahsoka is a teenager in the Clone Wars. You know, she's a Padawan. You you've been told this you you see it sort of in the, the cartoon or the the 3d rendition of her to see it in live action really puts into perspective just how young he was, he was. In- with her directly dealing with a a, a killed clone in action on a medic bed like immediately puts you into this is tragic like what Mm -hmm. she had to deal with and basically was taught through and grown up through is bad this was not good for her it tuned her into a like extremely good warrior but like at for dealing with it as a person no one should have to go through that in that age right the jedi were probably wrong for putting padawans in those situations um i mean they were eventually they find out they were wrong for participating in the war in total right but um i don't think any of the any of the previous uh portrayals of ahsoka in animated form could really ground us into the reality that sure We read and knew she started at 14 and ended the Clone Wars at 17. It still looked like by the end of the Clone Wars, she was like early 20s, maybe like it it seemed more like because her as a character. Sounded and felt more mature than 17, right? But that's what just she she had to be right. But seeing a live action person around that same age play that really puts you back into the man she really was that young which also the actress by the way for people who don't know played the little version of gamora from the flashback scenes from infinity yeah. war from thanos um, and apparently is also in barbie uh, so this actress is a great early life actress right now having some big <laughs> roles. And a lot of people really want to see her in more Ahsoka live action and Clone Wars. I don't know if we're going to get it. I don't know if we really need it, but it'd be cool.
0: Yeah. And if you think about it, like, I, I don't know if either of you read any of the books, but like I'm in the high Republic series right now. And essentially I'm reading any of the ones where the books um, are more than like four and a half hours. Like, if they're less than four and a half hours, I'm not reading them because it seems silly to pay that kind of money. But if you talk, if you go through and you look at the Nihil attacks and I guess we're already in spoilers, so I don't have to say that, but if you talk about Nihil attacks and, and you know, the Starbase and all these other things, you talk about these Jedi and we're talking like lots of Jedi, like more, even so than during the clone wars. Um, and that's when the Jedi were very prominent. There is a lot of, padawans who are very young going through these large-scale attacks going through these this mass murder this whole situation and i think if you could take the two and complement two together you can see you know kind of the, the the reflex side between the two right and to ryan's point like hey why is a 14 15 year old murder having to murder people like come on like we don't do that e- in, in in most nations. We don't do that. We don't go, hey, you're 14. Boom, you're in the army and you're going to go murder people. We don't do those things. Um, and I think that's like a big call out that we kind of see in this because Ahsoka has always struggled with. Should I train? Should I not train? Should I get close? Should I not get close? And if you ever if you've read her book, the book that focuses around what she kind of does afterwards. Mm-hmm. Where she goes um and, and and who she tries to help. Um, you see that struggle, like that huge struggle she has internally. Um, because she doesn't know should she be a part of this, should she not? And here we are so many years later, and she's struggling with should I train Sabine? Should I not? Right? Like, what does the Jedi say? We we don't train people that typically aren't for sensitive. We don't train people that haven't had a big training throughout their youth. And now you're in a predicament where it's like, does the force matter enough that we should spend our time training these people or not? And I feel this episode, like personally, I feel this episode kind of encapsulates that because it's not Anakin saying, Hey, I'm here to train you better. It's Ahsoka's conscious saying, Anakin, where in God's green earth were you? (laughs) You know, like, why did I have to go through this? And 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 you trained me and then disappeared. I had no confidant. I had nobody here for you. Um, and maybe that's just my personal feeling, and that's why I like this episode a lot, because it feels like this episode is the Ahsoka growth episode where we can kind of see um where she has to go back and confront things she had no interest in confronting at all
1: yeah for me i think it it was a lot more of ahsoka just feeling the guilt for not being there uh, during the time that anakin fell you know her guilt for um you know her that trauma that she experienced of sending clone troopers to their deaths you know that burden of command that she had to experience very early on and you know that all leads to the reason why ahsoka could not work with sabine originally she had all that prior experience with you know commanding troops and commanding people that she eventually cared about you know these are people that trained her that she fought with and bled with uh and eventually died and, you know we we've seen that at the end of order 66 where she had to bury a lot of her friends on the 501st that helped uh join up with her and fight the siege of mandalore uh we saw that in countless battles that she's been in and that fear that she had in her is what prevented her with with connecting with sabine in her training and of course you know her her trauma that she experienced in seeing what anakin had become and made her fearful of her becoming the same way you know we see a lot of anakin's influence in her you know especially when she pretty much in no uncertain terms say that she she pretty much tortured morgan elspeth into giving her that information you know it's not the jedi way it's not the jedi protocol so she's been flirting that line between you know the dark and the light and she she has that fear of herself of turning out the same way that anakin did and her confronting anakin and by the way that the the lightsaber scenes the animation effects that they did for hayden christensen as he turns from uh the the dark side to the light in that battle just awesome um well but it it helped resolve that
0: yeah i think the other thing is right there right is he tells her we get old right like he, he 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 talks about that you know and then and then explains that um you know sometimes jedi lead and make mistakes right and those mistakes bother him and i think that's why we can humanize vader like even though vader was a turned out to be a very um Horrible person is the nicest way to put it, right? (laughs) Like Vader is not somebody you want to emulate, but at the same token, we have Vader's redemption at the very end, right? But we have somebody that we can now kind of go back to and relate to because we can see Vader, we can see Anakin as he transitioned, like grasp and struggle with some of these horrible decisions he had to make. I mean, he's (laughs) he's at home slaughtering children She's on Mandalore trying to defend, you know, Mandalorians, right? Like, there's a huge difference in in where the two of them are at. And even though he's the chosen one, he's the one that's supposed to be here. We have Ahsoka over here actually fighting for the people. She's fighting against, um, you know, these things. And Ryan kind of pointed out, um, earlier <laughs> that she does a very similar, um, move against Anakin that she does against Ball. Is that a reflection?
1: I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's close.
2: <laughs> I do really like the the sort of enlightened look we got to Ahsoka after her vision, after she recovered herself, like she she, she pulled a Gandalf, right? She went yeah, from she Ahsoka the Grey to Ahsoka the White, <laughs> white now. Um, now, we had seen that sort of get up at the very end of the Rebel series that kind of this show portrayed a little differently. In that, she, yes, she went to go get Sabine to go find Ezra in some capacity in a similar aspect between the end of Rebels and the live action Ahsoka now, but we also didn't see her in the same getup until this point. So a little bit of story rewrite to get it to a more satisfying, reasonable um uh, representation as to what that really means to Ahsoka now. As she we'll we'll see how like she had a tough time dealing with Balin's skull before. Yeah. Granted, her hand got burned from probably the night sister magic that might have been protecting that orb at the time from Morgan Elzabeth. But um I I think wherever Ahsoka's going to find um Sabine, Ezra, thrawn everyone. I I think she's going to show a new level of um, mastery. uh, Yeah, mastery in her next fight with Balin.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I mean the um, the the level of the choreograph for the fight, the lightsaber fight between her and Anakin, uh, which is so great, and it just shows that there's more that she's going to bring out in her follow up fights. That I can't wait to see how they do that. I mean, um, the the just the attention and detail on her mimicking the same moves that she did in, you know, the Clone War series. I know you sent me that that Twitter uh, where she did that kick very similar to the battle versus Maul uh, that she did with Anakin. I mean, it's just perfect, like almost frame for frame, basically. Um, I, I definitely like that. Um, side note. Uh, towards the end, you know, we do see her, um, you know, go in front of a portal and use the force to essentially allow it to uh, go in, allow the ship to go inside, so that way they can travel in their path. Um, I felt, you know, it was a very funny Nemo moment where you know she's speaking whale. Do you yep. think? <laughs> <laughs> do you think that there's enough space in there for both the Jedi cruiser and for the ghost to fit inside the whale? <laughs>
2: I, it seemed like Hera had to deal with the Re- with, with the Re- the New Republic officials at this point. So unfortunately, yeah. I at this point, uh, I think it it actually did make sense for Hera to stay back because at least there's a small chance that she could uh, submit her petition to like, hey, something's going to come back. Hopefully it's just Ahsoka, Sabine and everyone else. We want to come back and there's not also a Thrawn with them too type of thing where it's like we have to deal with also this type um actually as i just thought about this if they were like drawing parallels to, like next level of ahsoka mastery i kind of just imagine like what if ahsoka does anakin's like lightsaber twirl in the fight against like just as an homage <laughs> oh, to her great. master but then also like just accepting that she's part of the lineage it's, it's she but she's utilizing the the best parts of anakin to make her a better master Uh, of the force and just uses Anakin's lightsaber like behind the back twirl as an attack against Balin at some point
1: that would be great actually I would love to see that oh man so I think we
0: we wrap the episode up because we see her leave we see Hera left the deal with whatever is going to happen and I agree because I don't agree that Thrawn's going to come back and be a big threat I think Thrawn's going to come back and be this unneeded ally but that's because I read the books, and I feel that we need to move closer to the books. And the longer we go through this, J.J. has been prophesying, but this is going to be the heir to the Empire Thrawn that we're going to get. This no. is the old school Thrawn.
1: He's but, an antagonist, but not necessarily a villain.
0: Look, we oh, yeah. haven't seen him for five episodes now. I know. I feel like five he's been up in the
1: last episode, and then that's it. We won't see him again until yeah. the Filoni movie. So
0: my theory is... <laughs> I feel my theory versus yours is a million times more valid because of the fact that we aren't seeing Thrawn. He's not a big part of this whole thing that in the long run, we're building up to like, Oh my God, Thrawn's going to be this big evil, but really, really Thrawn's here to help us. Because if you go back through the books, like I've stated before in previous universe extended episodes, (laughs) if you go through the books, Thrawn and all of their, his allies anticipated, Palpatine, because of the Grisk and because of um, I can't remember the guy's name. The stupid uh, popular uh pisses me off because I can't remember this guy's name. But um, because of the specific Grisk um, you know antagonist oh, Jixus,
1: Jixus, G- yes, there. Yeah, G- yeah.
0: because of how Jixus is that in the long run, Thrawn has always been playing the the long game with Palpatine, and that he's going to come back and. Like we're gonna get a vision of him helping orchestrate how Ray gets set up to beat Kylo and Palpatine in the long run, and it'll make all those uh, sequels a little bit a little bit better than they already were. So, all
1: right. I just I just hope that we don't all of a sudden see the next episode they go back to Mando and Grogu <laughs> for like another two episodes. So I just hope stop, that, that doesn't stop happen. It. Then stop it. Stop it.
0: <laughs> Stop. JJ, that's not gonna happen. Uh, not gonna happen. All right. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure to talk Ahsoka in this time. I love I love the show. I don't care what anyone says. Like I like Andor for what Andor Andor does, but I love Ahsoka for what Ahsoka does. And I don't care what anyone says. To me, this is hands down equal to Andor in its own correct right. But I I just, I don't know. I love this. I love this episode or this this show. And I love this episode. And I feel, I don't know. I feel this series in and of itself is like totes magotes amazing. I don't know. So. Yeah. But anyway, thank you all for joining us. Uh, We will be back next week with a X-Wing podcast called Plenty Face Syndicate, where we talk about X-Wing things. And we will have another Universe Extended episode coming to you either next week wednesday or thursday or next week sunday depending on um jj's schedule with that being said thank you have a good night and we will see you on the flippity flop
1: have a good night everybody